You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. All right, so it is Ascension Sunday. So we will reflect on the meaning and the purpose of the Ascension of Christ. Uh, before we do, I have uh, a prayer request of you all, and uh, it's, uh, bear with me if you don't mind, just, just a few moments. This packet here um, was sent to me uh, from Japan, and it was sent to me from a mother who has been separated from her son since 1970s, in the 70s. Her son, we know him as Harry, is a man who lives through homelessness in our community. And the story is something to the effect of he came over here with his father to do work many decades ago and um, had some things happen in his life. And his father had to go back to Japan and he was left here. Um, Harry is a kind soul, but he is a quiet and um, nervous and anxious soul, and he is, uh, lives with various mental illnesses in his life. I encountered Harry, oh wow, a few years ago with a college student at the time who called me at 1130 at night and who was convicted seeing this man um, who was carrying his bags down the street, lots of suitcases, in the cold, and so me and this college student, Sean Roberts, uh, met Sean and his uh, compassionate and beautiful spirit, emptied his money jar that he kept in his dorm, and our church family, uh, we put him in a room, and left it there. We knew that Harry didn't speak much English at all, and so uh, there was a trepidation with him, so we gave him space. Several weeks later, encountered him at a coffee shop here in town, purchased a, a sizable coffee shop card, the church did, so that he could get out of the cold and drink a good cup of coffee and maybe get some food. And over the course of three years, or two years or so, I can't recall, there have been these encounters. All right, so, so it comes down to this. I got a call from the um, Japanese embassy uh, representatives that are located in Richmond, uh, through the law enforcement, then since I had had contact with uh, Harry, asking if uh, I could, I could maybe we had help uh, get Harry reunited. Well, by the grace of God, I received an email randomly from a man uh, who was born and raised in the USA, who sent us an email, who was an assistant to his father way back when, and had heard that I had a connection to Harry and asked if I could try and arrange a reunification with his mother because his mother is aging. Harry stands to receive an inheritance and to uh, be reunited with his family. I have contacted and talked with many caseworkers here in town, um, and we have tried to find a way to communicate with Harry, but Harry's mental illness is um, it's hard for him. To communicate and it's hard for him to trust and uh, even though he knows who I am um, there is lots of nervousness I think so in an effort to try and awaken Harry's brain his mother sent me a packet of pictures from his childhood a packet of pictures of her 
from when he would remember her, and a letter and some books. And so I am going to um, go out this week and try to find Harry. It's been hard to find him during a pandemic. Um, and I'm going to try and, try and get this to him. And I'm asking you to pray that, that when Harry sees this picture of his mother, and that something miraculous, something beautiful will fire off in his brain, and that he'll see that this is his mama, and that it might awaken him in that moment that we might be able to have a conversation to set a way forward, maybe for him to go home, and if not to go home and to stay here, then to get everything he needs to be safe here, because he's not safe. Um, he's a good guy. He's a kind soul. He's made an image of God, but his brain just doesn't work in a typical kind of way. So will you pray this week? Just maybe remember me and um, that I would A, find him, and then turn all your attention to your prayers to Harry. God will awaken Harry to know the presence of him, of God in his life, to see his mother's love. Um, I do believe that his family are Christ followers. Uh, that is my understanding. And so just pray that the Holy Spirit work will work in that. I would be very grateful. Um, and so while we're here together in this moment, um, if you'll let me say a prayer, I want to pray over that. And then we'll talk about um, the ascension. Because frankly, the ascension of Christ makes all of this even possible. So let's pray together. Holy Lord, who lived among the broken and the poor, welcome a stranger, who was deemed a troublemaker and a blasphemer and a sinner, was crucified and risen, and you are now ascended as King of Kings. Your ascension is not your absence. So we call upon you, humility, sincerity, to make a way for Harry to know what is the height and the width, the breadth and the depth of your love for him. There could be, in some way, the grieving heart of his mother connect to his fear-filled heart that there might be a reunification between a mother and a son. Lord, this is, a, this is a high calling for us, not hard for you. Would you make a way? Pray you give me the courage and the strength and the faith, the persistence. Do what it is you want me to do. And by your spirit, lead me. Help me to listen well. Father, for Harry, prepare his brain, his heart, his soul, his mind to receive a message from his mama that when he sees this picture, that he would truly, when he sees her picture, that he would truly see her. And that if there are going to be um, waves of grief, uh, would you help me to be present in a way that is right and holy? Would you comfort his heart by your spirit? Father, just make a way and bring this family together. And when you do, we will celebrate you. We will give you all the glory. We will give you all the praise. I pray that 
um, the whole story of mine and the church's connection to him would be forgotten and that it would only be seen that you saw him, that he's never been lost on you after all, and that you are making a way. Father, help us to be obedient to that way that you are making. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right. Appreciate y'all you know, praying for that. So, Acts chapter 1, verse 4. While Jesus was together with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise. This, he said, is what you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they heard, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he had said this, he was taken up as they were watching, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, they were gazing into heaven. Suddenly two men in white clothes stood by them. And they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come in the same way that you have seen him going into heaven. The word of the Lord. So when thinking about the ascension of Jesus, we often think of it in terms of something like the absence of Jesus, like Jesus is here and now he's not. The ascension is when Jesus uh, floated up to the air and into like what we think maybe something like the outer space, right? Like heaven leaves earth and reigns in heaven. We kind of take it as if Jesus has decided now to work from home, right? Um, and, you, and you see this in the imagery of paintings of the ascension, this idea of Jesus floating up and up and up, his feet dangling in the air, the disciples watch in amazement, and this is how we interpret taking up into heaven. Taking up, we take it as the taking up, and it's, it's like a scene from a superhero movie. And Jesus is like waving by down to the disciples as he rises up to go home. That Jesus somehow has evacuated this world and now left us to... Uh, uh, carry on his work. <clears throat> Excuse me. Here's what I want to say. And I've said this every, I think I say this every year, which is the beauty of Ascension Sunday is I get to say it every year. Because I think it's easy to forget. And if we do remember, it's easy to not practice. The Ascension of Jesus isn't about his absence. It isn't about evacuation. It is a royal exaltation. Jesus hadn't left us. He isn't absent in our lives because he has not evacuated from the world. And even still, this ascension narrative, which we don't um, traditionally, whether traditionally the church has always tended to ascension uh, Thursday, uh, which is the day we celebrate ascension and then ascension Sunday, but in some of our traditions, we haven't given a lot of thought to ascension, which cross and resurrection. But if there's no ascension, then resurrection means what? So ascension, in the way the narrative reads in the book of Acts, almost comes off as like a lackluster event in a series of extraordinary events. A life of love that involves a ministry that heals the hurting and welcomes the unwelcomed and dines with the dejected 
and ends in a trial that leads to a death sentence as the enemy of the state and crucifixion, and then miraculously and unexpectedly overcomes the power of Rome and fear and violence and the reign of sin and death by resurrection, all that narrative, all that story is told, and then just a few verses in the scripture, just a few, that uses a language that in their day makes far more sense than our own. Scripture tells us he goes up into the heavens. Now, to them, to the, to the hearers of the text, in their language house, and their vocabulary, up into the heavens is a poetic expression of royal ascendancy. Gods live in the heavens. It's poetic expression of exaltation and supreme power to us. It has no real political meaning. Church, listen, please. To them, that language is royal language. It has political implications. To us, it just means, you know, taken up into space. So we oftentimes miss it. But Paul didn't miss it. So if you have your Bibles, or if you're in your Uversion app, scroll down, you'll see the notes. Ephesians chapter 1, 18 to 23. Paul didn't miss it, maybe because the Holy Spirit didn't want us to miss it either. So listen to what Paul said. Paul in Ephesians 1.18, I pray that the perception of your mind may be enlightened. I want to read that part again. I pray that the perception of your mind may be enlightened so you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the glorious riches of his inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his vast strength. He demonstrated his power in the Messiah by raising him from the dead and seating him at his right hand in the heavens, far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion, and every title given, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. Do you see it? This is all political language. It's all royal language. That's all government kind of language. Far above every ruler, every authority, every power, every dominion, at the right hand, in the heavens, ruling and reigning. And keep on going. And he put everything under his feet and appointed him as head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of the one, who, say this with me, fills all things in every way. Fills all things in every way. If we end the story of Jesus by saying, and then Jesus went off to heaven and someday he'll come back and bring with him God's kingdom, then we can all too easily believe that we are free to run our own lives the way we want. And what we assume is the absence of Christ. And what this ends up doing is it reduces Jesus from being the eternal Lord, as Paul said, his right hand in the heavens far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion, and every title given, not only in this age, but also in the one to come, to being Lord elect, to be installed at his return. And if we imagine Jesus as being up there, in heaven, waiting to come back and someday then begin his reign. In church, there are theological streams that believe that, that I think sometimes we get 
coaxed into unknowingly if we're not careful. Then we have no other option. Jesus is going to reign when he comes back. And we're going to go back with him and be in heaven where it's all going to be good. And we have no other option but return to the idea that we can adequately control our lives and the circumstances that surround us while we wait. But the ascension is not about absence. It's about royal exaltation. Jesus is Lord, not Lord elect, to be sworn in at his return. He's Lord of Lords right now. He's been seated at the right hand of God right now, which in the Apostle Paul's society means the place of absolute authority over all things. The ascension of Jesus as Lord and King is less about his strength, the strength of his power, even though it demonstrates that, and more about the scope of his presence. I'll say that again. The ascension of Jesus as Lord and King is less about the strength of his power and more about the scope of his presence. It certainly says something about his power, but it says something about his presence. Look at Ephesians 1 verse 23. That he would be the one fills all things in every way. See, before the ascension, Jesus was over here, he was over there, he was preaching over there, or he was healing over here. Now, there is not one place Jesus cannot be. There's not one place in the life of any person who's confessed him as their king where Christ's presence and reign cannot be found. Christ is where you are because that is what it means for Christ to be ascended. He is not absent. He is not separate from you. He is with you. And I recognize that. As I was writing this out, I thought to myself, man, I talk about this all the time. Like I talk about where you are, Christ is. I, I, I talk about this all the time. So some of you may be going, yeah, I wish Fred would um, talk about something else. Uh, but I don't think there's anything else to be more important than being reminded that where I am, Christ is, because Christ is the crucified, risen, and ascended Lord and King, and his power is available to me. That's why his power is made available to me as his child, as a citizen of his kingdom, right where I am, right where I stand, right wherever I find myself. It, it, and here's the thing. Here's the reality. Jesus is not far off. He is not absent. He is not separate, but I recognize that sometimes we feel that way. I bet Harry has felt that way as he has wandered the streets in and out of even institutions, wandered. I bet he's felt that way. I know many people who feel that way. I at times have felt that way. That it doesn't feel as though Christ is with us because the circumstances surrounding our lives suggest otherwise. There's deep sadness that is still in my battle. There's a relationship with someone that's still broken. My finances are still thin. My anxiety is still running rampant. My job is still a misery. My children are still a mess. The loneliness I feel still drains my joy. The sickness I'm experiencing still makes me feel weak. And we, we find that that circumstance overtakes our belief, our hope, our conviction, our trust that Christ is somehow still present in that. And what I love about the Christian calendar, and particularly Ascension Sunday, is this is a Sunday where we absolutely dig in. We dig in to the narrative of our faith, the story of our faith. And we remember the Ascension. Christ has ascended 
and has been glorified as Lord of all in his presence. That work filling all things in every way. He is in all of it with you. Don't just believe in him. Believe him. Receive his power, trust him, remain loyal to him. And even if the facts on the ground say otherwise, remember that you are a royal child of God. Remember our declaration every week. Remember that you have been given the right. We're a society talks all about rights, but you've been given a right. I mean, I wish the American Christians would talk about the rights of the kingdom as much as we talk about the rights of the country. Like, just think about that for a minute. Like, what if we talked about the rights of the kingdom more than we talked about the rights of the country? Why don't we do that? Let me guess, let me guess. Maybe because the rights that our country affords us seems more tangible and real than the rights the kingdom of God affords us. And so we live under a base reality as if the reality of the kingdom of God is less real than the reality in which we live. And yet we come to Sunday and we sing the songs and we, my lighthouse, my light. And I don't play the song because I can't remember where I'm supposed to capo, which is why I wasn't playing. Sorry, John. And then we, we sing these songs and we're trying to figure out, you know, we were trying to proclaim these high-minded things, and then we start Monday off talking about the other things, and I just can't help but wonder why, Fred, why do you find yourself talking about the rights of a country more than you talk about the rights of the kingdom, and I am left with only one real suspicion, and that is I suspect that on those days, I believe less in the ascension than I ought. Because the ascension of Christ and the descending Spirit of God by the life of all of His children is God's holy, non-negotiable, divine, royal deposit of our rights as citizens of His kingdom. So here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to dig deep, dig real deep. Dig deep in your soul and reach down for your inner Pentecostal. I'm for real. Like Pentecost Sunday is next Sunday, so we'll get Pentecostal next Sunday, like Pentecostal in the seatbelt, remember. But like claim the authority of Jesus over it. Like I claim the authority of Christ over this moment because I know that my feelings aren't my faith and that Christ is with me, so Spirit of God, Endow me with the reality of your authority at work in my life right now. I don't feel it. I don't see it. Nothing's changing, but just remind me that you have spoken. You are with me, and your presence can be enough. Lead the blood of Christ over that moment. He's not separate. King Jesus is head over everything, Paul said, for the church, which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. We are the body of Christ, the fullness of the king whose presence and authority fills all things in every way. We believe in the authority and power of Jesus, and our lives should look like it. And so we lay down our idols. Because the ascension and exaltation of Jesus makes us realize that these idols have no power. All these other rights, all these other wishes and hopes and dreams, they have no power. 
And we refuse to live in denial. See, that's the thing. We refuse to live in denial of our trials and suffering and our brokenness. We don't just explain it away with happy cliches that come from Christianity. We own the trials and the suffering and the brokenness so that it doesn't own us. And when we own it and we grip it, we then lay it down at the authority of Christ and we claim the authority of Christ. We know he's not absent. He's with us. And he's king. Because Jesus is ascended and exalted. And we refuse to hold on to idols and live in denial. The trials and the suffering and the brokenness in our society and in our world. Jesus is the eternal Lord, the right hand of God in the heavens, far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion and every title given, not only in this age, not only in this age, but in the age to come, here and now. The ascension is not about absence but about royal exaltation. Jesus is the king. Now, not king-elect to be sworn in at his return. King of kings and Lord of lords right now because he is at the right hand of God. Not even the governments of this world are ultimately free to ignore Jesus as king and choose to run the world however they want, which always includes violence and self-interest. Not even they are going to stand free of his So when it comes to the kingdoms of this world and all other societies in them, because of the ascension of Jesus, the church then has a primary role to embody God's politics, God's ethics and values and commands, and be a prophetic witness in the name of the king. And we do that when we advocate for the things that are of great concern to our king. I want to say that again. Please hear me. We embody the, 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 the ethics and the commands of God when we as a church advocate and do the things that are of great concern to our king. The church becomes a prophetic witness and embodied presence of the king of kings and we commit our lives to speak and live in light of the risen, ascended, and exalted king of kings who is the Lord and we commit our lives to learning his way of life what Jesus called a disciple. That's the word, disciple. See, Jesus said in Matthew 28, and Paul in Matthew's words, just before the ascension, it seems, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So he gives that to us and says, go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. All of this means that Jesus journeys to the throne room of heaven not only to establish his presence through his absence, but to draw us into the journey of disciples. He is urging us on in the journey of carrying out his mission as his household of royal priests and prophetic witnesses of his reign of grace and love in the world. He hasn't left us. He is with us in the journey by the presence of the Spirit. And as disciples, the ascended king, we commit to building lives of love, generosity, 
hospitality and mercy and obedience to the Lordship of Jesus. The Bible shorthands this in a word. And I want you to notice that none of this has anything to do with a building. The way of And it's not individualistic. It is communal. And we remember on Ascension Sunday that the ascension of Jesus means that he is with us even to the end of the age. There is no place where Christ is not. There is no dominion over which Jesus is not Lord for his children have confessed him as Lord. So this week, you want to practice the simplest practice you can give. When you encounter something that's hard and heavy, when you encounter the doubt, when you encounter a barrier, in your spirit and in your heart, with your lips, proclaim the authority of the reign of Christ over that moment. And then ask the Holy Spirit of God to give you strength to live like he is your And then you might need to open the Bible and just do what it says. Just do what it says. Look out not for your interest, but the interest of others. Mutual submission, gracious hospitality, generosity, kindness rather than hatred, mercy rather than judgment, compassion rather than condemnation, love rather than lambasting, whatever it takes. Or speaking the truth, which means you might speak something that is true and real that costs you a friendship and it'll break your heart but you have to advocate for the things that are of great concern to Jesus as king. We have to do that. And then we have to live in advocacy. We have to do that work. And what I believe is that Christ will trust us with more things. He'll know that we're trustworthy. And he'll trust us with more moments where we get to participate in his lordship. You know what I appreciate about the fact that we get to go look for Harry? Is that I trust that the Holy Spirit will find him. I trust that this package will be in his hand. I trust that he will see that picture of his mama. And I trust that at some point, maybe not in that moment, maybe not that day, maybe not that week, maybe even not this month, but I trust that at some point, I'm going to ask and I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit of God who wants him well more than I want him to be made well, who wants his reunion with his mother more than we want his reunion with his mother, that the Holy Spirit of God will work. I'm just going to trust him with the consequences. Because Jesus is ascended and he is king. And unfortunately, I have no control over the consequences. My only responsibility is to obey him and trust him with the consequences. As so it is with you. You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast.